0: We were told to stay on
1: this side, and we have. You see a lot of angry and some bigoted people on the left who have come over here, have tried to silence me or tried to mock me. No ban, no registry, fuck white supremacy. I, with him, that that we needed to, to watch who's coming into the countries, and it doesn't mean that we're stopping the stopping it forever, the the immigration from the the refugees. It just means for right now, it's it's clearly a, a kind of uh, overreactions by many American Muslims to Mr. Trump's statements. The truth is that he definitely uh, concerned about some security, some safety, some peace that is happening due to. Muslims or Islam being associated with many of these radical terror, uh, terror groups. Protests all across
0: the country, reaction from around the world after the president signed his executive order late Friday.
1: America is the land of freedom.
0: The land of freedom. So why would the president do this? Is it legal? Is it constitutional? And what kind of a process will we be seeing?
1: I think the president is well-intended, but there is a process here, and truthfully, I'm a professor of immigration law. Congress has the plenary power to make laws. The
0: president is using his discretion in enforcing the laws on the book. The question is whether or not in the enforcement he is selectively choosing one over another. I do agree with the president, and I do believe he's a patron, and he's intending to do this well, that we need to have stronger vetting. You can't find documents from Syrians at all that are legitimate, so he shut it down from Syria. Well, is that the right approach, or are there other incremental efforts that we can make? Uh, My name is Pranav Jandiala, and I'm the president of BridgeCal.
1: My name is Ross Irwin, and I'm part of the executive board.
0: So we kind of started developing this idea of BridgeCal back in November. Um, this idea just started to come into place where we realized the importance, especially during the election and after the election, of having a platform, a nonpartisan political platform, for discussion between both sides.
1: And uh, we, we talked a little bit uh, in the beginning of this second semester of the 2016-2017 year uh had plans in the works for the club and once the milo event happened we we felt that that the time was now and we moved on it and had uh, our meeting a week after
0: Mm -hmm. and you know the violence served as the impetus the violence was just you know a symptom of the political divide and we've seen these symptoms come up now and now and again you know for the past several months whether it be, you know, Trump's rally in San Jose or it be, you know, some other event on Inauguration Day or it be, you know, the Milo event itself. um, We've seen instances uh, uh, where, you know, passions are just spilling over, um, uh, you know, brimming over. um, You know, this once uh, sturdy glass that was able to contain ourselves was able to, um, you know, encompass the kind of discussion that we were able to have. Um, And I think that it's important for us to return to a state where the other side isn't just, you know, an enemy or a racist or a bigot, but uh, is someone that we can um, engage with and have productive discussions with and, you know, someone we might disagree with, but, uh, you know, someone um, who we're able to humanize with.
1: And that was the impetus for starting Bridge Cal. We we wanted to create a space where we could... Have two totally different viewpoints come and talk and understand what the other one wanted and needed and why they felt this way. And that we could, we could both leave the, we could, that both sides could leave the meeting with an understanding and hopefully n- new lessons and uh, information learned about the other side. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there was there had been a court case, I, I don't remember the one right now, that was ruling on uh, illegal aliens within the country being entitled to certain uh, protections and laws and that that might constitute uh, a reason for these immigrants or refugees from Syria and Iraq, Iran, and the, the four other countries that that those those people might be protected within that, but then the the counterpoint was that that those people do not re- reside within American space, and mm. so there was a a lot of contention on that that subject.
0: Yeah, and then when they you know talked about American space, they pushed the boundaries and said, you know what, American space involves wherever we you know extend our reach around the globe. Um, and I think that 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 the court case that was cited that you were talking about was the Texas Supreme Court case. Um, mm-hmm. you know allowing uh, undocumented students mm-hmm. um, to go to school in Texas..
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. We felt that it would be a good starting point in the discussion um, because once you can decide whether or not it's constitutional, um, even if uh, you disagree or dis- or agree with its constitutionality, then there's a whole nother door of issues. Mm-hmm. And we thought that we you know, get this out of the way and then we can go ahead and really talk about, um, the rest of the the meat of mm-hmm. meat of this this issue. Uh, so generally, um, I guess I would call myself a moderate in general, like very very general sense. I do not think I have any f- very firm, unchanging political views that I truly believe will never be subject to actual change because um, I think that I really go back and forth on many issues where I, where I talk to a lot of my conservative friends who wage very good arguments. And I talk to my liberal friends, very intellectual, wage very, very liberal arguments for those. And uh, I'm very in the middle when it comes to a lot of political issues because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with, well, now with this specifically, I, I am still very, very conflicted. Um, I have two friends, specifically John Ryder and and Rudra Reddy, um, who were, you know, two of the primary people um, leading that discussion the other day. Um, Now, they were debating themselves, you know, the days leading up to up to the discussion. And Mm -hmm. it would be the case that, you know, they would come in with, you know, pages of research and then. They would, uh, you know, John had his views challenging. He said, "Oh my God, Rudra's a genius. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on. My views are." And then he would come back and say, "Oh wait, but then this." And mm-hmm. then Rudra would be like, "Oh, that's a good point." So it's like, it's when it when you get into the nuances of an issue and really really talk about them, Rudra and, and John, very opposite sides of the political spectrum, but uh, you know, they had a very very engaging back and forth on the days leading up to, it, and I think that was reflecting
1: the discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh. I would say personally in general, I, I I kind of identify as a pretty extreme liberal, though as I come from a very conservative place, uh, and that has led me to not necessarily back down on my liberal views, but but try to understand where the other side is coming from. And, and I, I've been able to talk with a lot of people from my hometown uh who, who who, very understandably believe some of the things that I, I am very opposed to. Uh, and so I think that that, that kind of makes me a moderate in the fact that I, I am very understanding of the conservative side, and I also think that we need to, as liberals personally, to give some concession to it and to work with them in that. Uh, on the travel ban, I personally though conflicted I think I'm opposed uh, I did a lot of research into the terror attacks that happened uh, that have happened since 2000 there have been three that this travel ban would have uh, that would have prevented because they were by Somali nationals and then I believe in uh, i'm not i'm not gonna make a guess on the, on the third one, but it was one of the countries uh in the travel ban this person was a, a citizen of mm-hmm. <coughs> and i and all three of those attacks, none of them were deadly of course there were probably in total about thirty people injured and i and I know that that people being injured is not something that we can just look yeah. past but I think if we look at the if you look at all of the other terrorist attacks that have happened on this soil, there have been far many and far worse attacks by people who were white supremacists or uh, or or people born here who had mm-hmm. never visited those countries who then felt uh, felt an allegiance to you know mm-hmm. uh, Islamic extremism that. That that's what pushed them. So I I don't think that this travel ban is actually that good of a way to to stop uh, stop the things that it's claiming to stop, like uh, yeah. terrorism within that.
0: I think that that was an interesting point that was brought up. But really, um, another another counterpoint to that that I really um, thought was interesting was that you know these same countries, um, if you want to look at um, the specific countries and analyze why they were chosen. Um, we don't know the full information and we can never know the full information of our government's actions, um, internationally, but these were the exact same countries that Obama chose to mark, it's true. um, as, as, you know, uh, you know, dangerous places where we, re- we should restrict immigration yeah. or, you know, try to prevent or have more, um, uh, you know, stricter, uh, vetting measures for these specific countries, um, and though, um, that would be, you know, uh, uh, a more preemptive measure—that would be a more um, uh, measure that would be, uh, you know, uh, seeing things in the foresight and mm-hmm. uh, and looking at those specific countries and making a prediction based on them, um, rather than looking at events in the past or looking at a, you know what could have been prevented and looking at different things like that. So I think that um, you know it's important to consider that we don't know the full information mm-hmm. about everything.
1: Mm-hmm additionally honestly uh, another point that was brought up was that the the deadliest terrorist attack uh, in our nation 9/11 mm-hmm. was committed by 15 Saudi nationals mm-hmm. uh, and then na- and the, the other four were not from countries on the list I believe there's like two from Pakistan and yeah. one from Egypt uh, and and so to, it that was though more though not a point waged on a on a collection of data, it, it was interesting to see that the worst attack possible uh was wouldn't wouldn't have even been hindered by this yeah. this ban.
0: Yeah, I do I do agree with that point very mm-hmm. much. So the uh the next question we had after uh whether or not it was constitutional was uh whether or not it constituted xenophobia and the way we defined xenophobia um or the way we we uh wanted uh people to think about it was um the unesco definition which was um, an an attitudinal uh orientation of hostility against non-natives in a given population so that's the most popular accepted definition of xenophobia um so uh whether or not it constituted xenophobia was a uh, was a was less of a less of a kind of question that uh, required research and was more of a question that you know more people could talk about and more mm-hmm. people participated mm-hmm. in, and we definitely saw that during the discussion um, and I think that um, you know a couple a couple conservatives in the discussion you know. They admitted. They admitted. You know what? Yeah. Like, if you define it this way, sure, it it, it would constitute xenophobia, right? But uh, you know, is is that uh, is the xenophobia justified or unjustified? Should we fear? Um, should we fear? Uh, you know, the immigration of a large amount of Islamic people mm-hmm. or not? And that's the real question. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, you know. Um, that they brought up, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah, there was a, was a lot, lot of talk about
1: what has happened in Europe and in, and in some neighborhoods, neighborhoods where, where, where the police are, are legitimately, legitimately not uh, able, to able to come, come because, because because these neighborhoods, neighborhoods are, now are now being, being, uh, being ruled through uh, Sharia uh, law uh, by people within, within these communities, communities that, that have, have either put themselves in that place or been elected to that place mm-hmm. uh, and, and and we have this this
0: in america there is total, total religious, religious freedom and it is the first amendment
1: to our you know to our constitution, constitution. but we, we still do not allow uh, uh Religions religions to 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 simply take take hold of pieces pieces of territory and rule rule them them for themselves, that is is not uh, protected. protected. And so so there was was a lot of argument argument about, about, well, if we we let in the same same number number of immigrants that that, that Europe Europe has, then then we we might be be facing facing some more serious problems.
0: And I think even some liberals were in agreement that, yes, you know, this is a very concrete issue. And they said, you know what, we should be talking about this concrete issue mm-hmm. rather than this, you know, ambiguous issue of whether or not they would come and they would actually engage in these specific acts that we predict them to engage in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they uh, you know, a few a few liberals, moderate liberals talked about, you know, uh, wanting to focus in on the concrete issues mm-hmm. around the world that, um, that we should be focusing on that the Conservatives brought up too. Um, I do think that um, you know a lot of people brought up good arguments for why it would constitute xenophobia that would be unjustified Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that you know when you look at the the ban specifically, um, you look at the different countries and you see obviously that they have a Muslim majority population and what you're going on in many cases regardless of what Obama or previous people did but you're going on this assumption and I think I think it's it's some it's somewhat you know um, uh, a legitimate claim that you're going on the assumption that Islam is um, uh, you know a danger to us, and that whether or not that is true um, is a question um, you know for future discussion. But uh, if if you do hold the claim that you know Islam is a religion like any other religion, and that there are definitely some peaceful practitioners of it and that we shouldn't discriminate people on the basis of Islam. And if you believe we shouldn't discriminate, so a lot of people argued if we shouldn't discriminate people on the basis of the religion, and if Islam is a religion like any other religion, then uh, um, why should we, you know, uh, ban these specific countries on the basis of them having a large Muslim-majority population? So that's the fundamental argument that we saw for, um, uh, you know, when people said, does this, uh, executive action uh concert xenophobia they said yes and this is why mm-hmm. they said yes
1: mm-hmm. but then there, there was also a point that if this if this quote unquote muslim ban as as so many hashtags and headlines have called it uh if it's xenophobic then why are there huge populations Of Muslims in other countries like Indonesia and Pakistan and Saudi Arabia that that were not That were not targeted for this if it was against Muslims you would assume that countries with even higher populations of Muslims were Would also be targeted Mm -hmm. However, there was also a point that these countries are some of the most most Mm homogenous Most homogeneously Muslim yeah. of uh, of any other countries. There there's not uh, there's not a country on this list that is uh, less than ninety percent Muslim. In yeah. fact, there's not a country on the list besides Syria that is less than ninety six percent Muslim. Syria is 90 percent Muslim, uh, but then there are a lot of debates about Syria and documentation that are that are a whole different animal than racism.
0: Exactly. And documentation um, is another issue, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, our future question was, you know, um, how we would deal with uh, the Syrian refugee crisis, given that it's very hard um, to distinguish, um, you know, the right people from the wrong people. And then it's very plausible that the wrong people could be uh, within, could uh, surround themselves within these uh, within these good people and, mm-hmm. and and be able to get in um, mm-hmm. unnoticed because of this very this very shaky documentation that they have, mm-hmm. no sturdy proof that they can provide um, that they aren't part of uh, these different uh, terror groups or organizations mm-hmm.
1: uh, is basically uh I would say kind of the root of the of this question and of this whole debate the the travel ban is is mainly meant to or it has been broadcast to the public to less lessen the threat of terrorism and extremism that these countries might bring and so so this question was a lot based around just is it actually you know does this will this significantly help uh the safety of the american people a- and at what cost
0: mm-hmm. yeah i definitely that's true um and uh when we when we got to this question what a lot of people said was uh was no and i think both liberals and conservatives uh, we're in agreement that you know this isn't the best effective way because a lot of conservatives were in agreement that you know uh, we need countries like Saudi Arabia on the list we need other countries on Absolutely. the list too and they said even you know this is an end-all be-all mm-hmm. um, to uh, to the problem of terrorism so um, you know it's not a good question. Mm-hmm. The question should be whether or not this is a step in the right direction mm. um, whether or not this is an action that we should take um, to address terrorism, not whether or not, it is for sure going to be effective. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was an important distinction that someone drew in the audience. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that a lot of conservatives would say it doesn't matter whether or not it's strictly going to be effective. Mm -hmm. It matters whether or not it's going to be a step in the right direction. It matters whether or not um, it's uh, a step that we should take that could help us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that um, when you prioritize security so highly, which a lot of people do, And when you prioritize prioritize security that highly, um, then you're willing to take some sacrifices. You're willing to um, restrict a lot of people from coming here, a lot of good people from coming here um, who could probably, you know, contribute to our economy. You can have a lot better lives here Mm -hmm. and, you know, just completely be peaceful citizens here. But you're willing to prioritize the security of the American people over that. And that's simply one of the fundamental um, types of beliefs. And, when you uh, have this micro-foundation of security um, versus something like um, equality or something like um, freedom or different things like that, and when you prioritize security, um, this is the kind of uh, belief system that's developed mm-hmm. among uh, conservatives.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the one of the liberal arguments to this uh, that I, I, I found a lot of truth in is that the this policy is not does not have it's it's only effect is not just to stop people from coming in these are these are people with with sentiments and such a strong desire to come into the u.s that you see you see the united states of america turn you away and say you're not worth it to us because we're scared that you're a danger Mm -hmm. uh a lot of the argument was, well, okay, sure, we may be stopping terrorists from coming in, but are we actively creating terrorists mm. with these policies that seem to exclude solely on, on religious background? And, and of course, there's an argument that it's not solely on religious background. But when the entire media uh, has publicized it as the Muslim ban, it, it's hard to it's hard to separate what. President Trump was trying to do and what the effect uh, of it was. Yeah, and I think that's,
0: you know, entirely um, uh, the crux of the question. Um, The term Muslim ban uh, itself, you know, we were, uh, uh, there was a big issue with the naming of the event itself that we had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And uh, we realized, you know, as we went on, um, the political implications Of the way this thing is perceived in the first place Mm -hmm. and the media plays a big role Um, and there's it's one thing um, uh, what what the, what it what the executive order actually says is one thing and I honestly think very few people have read it very few people who have strong opinions on it have read (laughs) it Uh, so um, so when there's one thing uh, uh, is the executive order itself that's one thing but then the other thing is in, entirely is, uh, you know, the perception of it and the buildup of the perception of it, and mm-hmm. um, that's fueled by the media, that's fueled by uh, you know the people you talk to, that's fueled by um, uh, terms like the Muslim ban. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one thing and there's another thing, and I think it's important to focus in on the actual executive order, yeah. that document yeah. um, itself, and to um, you know for both liberals and conservatives to engage mm-hmm. in discussion, um, you know, to focus on the exact um, document rather than to, um, you know, uh, follow the media, follow um, perceptions yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether you look at it um, and still, you know, um, perceive it as a Muslim ban, that's that's another thing too. Yeah. Um, 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 and I, th- I think that a lot of, a lot of the thing is when a lot of people a lot of conservatives said, you know, when a lot of people actually read it, they would go from calling it to a Muslim ban, you know, to mm-hmm. something else. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Because the ban or the, the executive order itself is a lot different from a lot of what a lot of people think. And yeah. personally, that, that was the case for me. I yeah. didn't read it ac- actually in entirety um, until a few days before uh, we started making the presentation. And mm-hmm. when I read it in entirety, I was actually pretty surprised yeah. at the language of it. Um yeah. Uh, and uh, I usually I construed it as something entirely different, but it seemed like a you know more of a normal mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, mm-hmm. political action um, <laughs> than
1: something else mm-hmm. In a perfect world uh, what would an effective response to the refugee crisis and terrorism be that that would uh, in a perfect bridge cow, we would sit down and we would write down specific policies, and then, uh, but it's never going to be as clean as that. But I, I think that we, I felt that we reached some common ground within the sides, and, and definitely an understanding of what the other side might want and what what your side might want, and, and how those two can work together. Yeah,
0: I thought this question specifically during the discussion we found, you know, astounding amount of agreement Mm -hmm. from people who were just absolutely contentious in the beginning of the discussion. Very true. Found a lot of agreement on the idea that, you know, the United States needs to stop its militaristic impulses, needs to stop its imperialistic impulses, Mm -hmm. needs to stop contributing to the spread of terrorism around the world. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that is, you know, pull out of the Middle East. Mm -hmm. I think Donald Trump himself wants to pull out of the Middle East, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So... Uh, You know, I think that there's a lot of agreement on, um, you know, the causes of terrorism and how to prevent the causes of terrorism. Mm -hmm. Um, On the Syrian refugee crisis itself, uh, there was some disagreement on whether or not, um, you know, the United States would have a moral or political responsibility to non-U.S. citizens fleeing situations in their own countries, you know, should we help people in general? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, the the first impulse is to say yes, of course, right? Mm But then, you know, when you get into the specifics of it, um, when you get into um, how exactly it would play out logistically, when you actually look at, uh, um, uh, you know, the specific vetting procedures that we have in place, the kinds that we would develop, Mm -hmm. even if we have the strictest, um, you know, how likely it would be um, or how plausible it would be and easy it would be for somebody who's pretending to be a good actor who's actually a bad actor come in, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a more difficult question. <laughs> and uh, you know whether or not you still believe mm-hmm. um, that United States does have you know a responsibility to bring these people in um, is entirely up to you, but I think it's important for everyone to understand um, not only things from a um, perspective of you know what we ought to do, but also understand, uh, the current day realities yeah. and the situations. What we can yeah, do, exactly? What we can do as a country. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that often a lot of people, no one, no one offered up their home for the Syrian refugees to come stay in. Mm-hmm. But also, no one, no one said, "No, I hate them. I, I'm glad that they're dying." There's the the issue becomes not do we or don't we help them, but how much can we help them and and there was an interesting uh, a point that that some of these people within Syria and and other kind of war-torn nations have pretty close mainly islamic countries that w- would be in, in a cultural standpoint a, a better fit for these people they're closer they you don't have to get on a plane but you know And so I think that there were some good points about, well, you know, maybe we can't bring in this many, but maybe we can help people in this way. And so Mm -hmm. it was interesting.
0: So it was the idea of, you know, relocating them to countries, you know, within their sphere rather Mm -hmm. than bring them all the way across the world to the United States, Mm -hmm. um, which was an important point. Um, And I think it's a very real point. Um, you know, another conservative argument I heard that I thought was interesting, kind of surprised me, was, you know, we shouldn't do this in a political way. Like, we can do this without having mm. to, um, um, uh, you know, have orders and agreements. And I specific... would say
1: that that, that, that was a, from a libertarian perspective, yeah, which okay. I think is an important assumption. Yeah, yeah. it
0: was but... it was a libertarian's perspective that, um, uh, you know, what if people just did this on an individual basis? What if people said... Um, uh, you know, I personally can house these people,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and uh, you know brought them in of their own accord, and said, okay, I'm going to do this to help out uh, um, these people on my individual basis. So it's the idea of charity, or the idea of um, you know helping people out, but turning it from a um, a kind of uh, mandate. Uh, of authority mm. mm-hmm. into something that people can do of their own accord and individual will mm-hmm. which I think is important um you know like you said in a perfect world in a bridge cal perfect world we'd have a very productive discussion where you have people you know from this side of the um, political spectrum this side of the political spectrum to come together and form a agreement an agreement on uh, the ban itself and also an agreement on the kind of procedures we should develop um, um, with regard to these refugees. And I think, uh, you know, me and you had a discussion um, itself, you know, a couple weeks before the actual discussion Mm -hmm. where we said, um, you know, I was taking a conservative stance, you were taking a liberal stance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said, you know what, if you look at Sweden, for example, look what's happening in capital Sweden, Um, you know, um, sexual assault rates have increased. And Mm -hmm. here's some proof Mm -hmm. that it could be a result of, um, uh different Muslim groups coming in um, mm-hmm. and also especially the fact that um, Sweden changed a lo- changes laws to um, you know not document whether uh, uh, not document the ethnicity um, or religion mm-hmm. of the person of the of the attacker in sexual assault cases mm-hmm. when you saw this rapid increase um, and I think that people like Milo um, for example bring this up s- uh, continuously mm-hmm. um, uh, as as a very big point um, And then you said uh, um, you know what why don't we uh, you know have some kind of policy in place where we're willing to bring people in um, but also uh, you know crack down on um, sexual assault crimes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we see this kind of trend happening, the same things we've seen in other countries mm-hmm. when you've had uh, massive amounts of, um, of uh, immigration. immigration from refugees then uh, we would curtail it we would stop it yeah. um or we can have a plan in place where we will um you know document the ethnicity and religion of the attacker yeah. um in the first place and their place of origin yeah, exactly and it's it's constant compromise yeah. that develops policy yeah it's compromise between both sides mm-hmm. and you have your points and then the, these points are also valid yeah but the the trick is being able to Um, hold on to your ideals still, but Mm -hmm. able to do that in a way um, where you're still allowed to be productive in forming policy. Mm -hmm. And you're still allowed to um, um, give the other side a chance and give the other side a chance. And Mm -hmm. there's a back and forth as well.
1: And I I think that in a more broad sense that we've gotten to a a place where, uh, where politicians aren't able to win on the fact that by by shouting from the rooftops that they'll work with the other side there's a there's an inherent i will make sure to fight tooth and nail for every conservative every liberal every libertarian you know ideal and and i won't let it go and i think that that, that boxes these politicians into into exactly that into an unwillingness to compromise and work with each other and i think that it's absolutely detrimental to the nation for uh, to for fifty percent of it to say we need we want these policies and we won't have these policies and the other side to to be in almost completely disagreement with yeah. them simply based on party lines and it, that's what we're trying to we're hoping to fix yeah. at bridge cal that we think with discussions like this where we found common ground and we found. a a way forward within this policy.
0: And I think an important thing you brought up is the chicken and egg question, Mm -hmm. Um, is the idea whether, is it the constituents that are fueling this divide or is it the politicians that represent the constituents that are fueling this divide? Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit of both, right? So I think that the way to fix this is to have a cultural change Mm -hmm. um, in which uh, you have liberals and conservatives um, talking to the other side and actually understanding their points and beliefs um, um, and putting their own points and beliefs under continual tests mm-hmm. of strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just opening avenues of communication between people in general, not only politicians, but people in this nation need to open up avenues of communication to the other side and have a willingness to um, engage in discussion and debate that challenges your points of views, but also to detoxify debate and discussion, mm-hmm. um, where rather than a shouting match, um, it becomes, you know, and it's a lot harder to do this. It's a lot harder to do this than a, than a shouting match. But it's so necessary. Absolutely. Um, rather than a shouting match, it needs to be one in which you know we really patiently under we patiently listen, we take away what we can, we understand exactly where they're coming from, and then we respond. But we mm-hmm. respond in a way that doesn't try to just, you know, um, that isn't just a rehearsed way of reinforcing our own beliefs, Mm.
1: but, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: incorporates their own um, uh, micro foundations as well. So if we're appealing to a conservative about security on, you know, an issue like trans rights, um, then we should frame it in that specific way Um, rather than just, you know, having the same type of dialogue that we've been having We need to appeal to the other other side Mm -hmm. Um, if we want to change their views. And if we can't change their views, that's fine too. Um, But we shouldn't agree to disagree. We should still always
1: um,
0: engage in continual discussion, and that's the way we move forward.